This is episode number 313 with data analyst Marco Cavietzel. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. This episode is brought to you by Super Data Science, our online membership platform for learning data science at any level. We've got over two and a half thousand video tutorials, over 200 hours of content, and 30 plus courses with new courses being added on average once per month. And you can get access to all this today just by becoming a Super Data Science member. There is no strings attached. You just need to go to superdatascience.com and sign up there, cancel at any time. In addition, with your membership, you get access to any new courses that we release, plus all the bonuses associated with them. And of course, there are many additional features that are in place or are being put in place as we speak, such as the Slack channel for members where you can already today connect with other data scientists all over the world or in your location and discuss different topics such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, data science, visualization, and more, or just hang out in the pizza room and have random chats with fellow data scientists. Also, another feature of the Super Data Science platform is the office hours, where every week we invite valuable guests in the space of data science and interrogate them about their techniques, about their methodologies in the space of data science. And you actually get a presentation from the guest and you get an opportunity to ask Q&A at the end. And in some of our office hours, we just present some of the most valuable techniques that our hosts think are going to be valuable to you. So all of that and more you get as part of your membership at Super Data Science. So don't hold off, sign up today at www.superdatascience.com. Secure your membership and take your data science skills to the next level. Welcome back to the Super Data Science podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Super pumped to have you back here on the show. And today's guest is special to me because we met in person in Switzerland a couple of weeks ago. So sometimes when uh, we travel, Adlan and I send out emails. You may have seen these come through. Uh, previously in 2017, we'd send them to everybody. Now we have a bit of a better segmentation in the list. So we are able to send them specifically to different regions where we are going to be present. Uh, so you may have seen these where we invite students to dinners. And uh, in 2017, we actually had quite a few catch-ups. You can, you can actually keep track of all these um, dinners and all these uh, travels that we do, uh, which we do share and we invite people to at datascienceroadshow.com. So www.datascienceroadshow.com. And you can find photos there. So recently I had a catch up in Switzerland and I had another one, a really cool catch up in Rome. So quite some interesting photos you can find there. Anyway, back to Switzerland. So I think this was end of July. I was in Switzerland. I sent out the email. I did send out quite late. So only uh, two people were able to make it, Marco and Stefan. And both had amazing, very interesting stories. But Marco's really uh, touched my heart and fascinated how 
what he was able to accomplish through online education, through online courses, and I decided to invite him to the podcast. Um, so in today's episode, what you will find out, you'll find out how Marco used or uses data science in neuroscience, in his neuroscience research. So he comes from a background of psychology and neuroscience. Um, then how and why he decided that he wants to move into the industry and become a data scientist in a company and how he went about it, what kind of courses he took, what he got from those courses. And you will hear a very inspirational story that indeed all of the knowledge that he got from online education through our courses on Udemy, he took the machine learning A to Z course, he took the Tableau A to Z course, he took the SQL and database design course and the deep learning A to Z course. From those courses that he took on Udemy, plus some other courses of course as well, he got enough knowledge uh, to get the interest from employers and secure interviews and be successful at those interviews. You'll actually hear some a story of how he uh, under pressure created some interesting visualizations. And then you will also hear what he's currently doing and how his work in the industry differs from the work he was doing in research. So we'll get a very interesting comparison from work, data science in research and data science in the industry and also how to transition from one to the other or how to use online education to secure a job in data science. Very inspiring story. Can't wait for you to check out this episode. So without further ado, let's get started and please welcome data analysts from Switzerland, Marco Kavietzel. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Super excited to have you on the show. And today we've got a very special guest, Marco Kavietzel, calling in from Basel. Marco, how are you going? Hi, Carol. I'm doing very great. How are you? Fantastic, Marco. I'm, I'm doing amazing as well. It's it's been a while, hasn't it, since we caught up? Yeah, yeah. We we first met uh, at a dinner, actually, in Zurich. Uh, so you were here for your business reasons, I think. And you, yeah, I got this email from Super Data Science where I was uh, hooked up. And then we connected and we had a fantastic dinner. It was great. Yeah, we went... Um... Thank you for coming down from Basel to Zurich, and we went to this restaurant. If anybody's in Switzerland, specifically in Zurich, it's called Hiltel, right? Hiltel. Yeah. It's yeah, like a vegetarian yeah. buffet. It's amazing. Like every time I go to Zurich, I have to go to that restaurant. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, it was the first time there, so but it was it was really fantastic. So I'll, I will definitely go back if uh, if I'm in Zurich. Mm -hmm. And so Basel is a bit north of Zurich, right? Yeah, it's correct. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's on the border to France and Germany, actually. Mm. So I, it's really, right on the... I love Switzerland so much for the variety of like the regions, depending on which region you're in. Like if you're in Zurich, which is kind of like in East Switzerland, if you're in Zurich and closer to the German border, people mostly speak German. As soon as you like get on a train and you go for two hours, this is this happened to me like. I got on a train, I think, from Zurich to, yeah, from Zurich to Geneva, which Geneva is in the west. So, yeah. like, you're on the train for two hours or so. And when you get on, everybody's talking German. When you get off, everybody's talking French. It's like, what? <laughs> and some of those people are the same people that got on, but they just switched language as they got into the French part. Yeah, so, so we actually have, like, four official languages in Switzerland, which mm. is French... German, Italian, and 
Retoromance, which is an ancient ancient language. No, not many people speak it anymore. So yeah, but you, but you, have, are... you have like a few areas where people just speak Romance as well, right? Yeah, true. Yeah, but they usually they can also speak like other languages or other official languages like like Italian or French or German. What do you speak? Uh, so, so we learned French in school. I, I had French for about eight years. Mm. So, and English, mm-hmm. and my my mother tongue is is uh, German. So basically, it's Swiss German. It's it's kind of a dialect of of the normal German, let's say, like this. It's interesting because what I learned when I was in uh, Zurich, well, in that area, uh, that Swiss German is doesn't actually have a written form when you write you write in normal german like or it's called high german yeah uh, exactly but then when you talk you talk in swiss german which is completely different well not completely different but very hard for a german person to understand swiss german is that right yeah that's 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 true so that's kind of yeah an advantage for the the swiss people because uh, we understand all or maybe all german all german speaking or from the people from Germany, like perfectly, because we speak high German in, in school, and also what's what's different? We have kind of different dialects from. So we have cantons. So Switzerland has has a bunch of cantons. It's called like like areas or regional mm-hmm. regions, and they also have different languages or different dialects but we understand each other but they are you can really differentiate each other from so from where you are coming originally and that's really cool you know why because the when i don't know any other language that has like a spoken form but doesn't have a written form i'm sure sure they are they're out there but this is a language in one of the central countries in europe very influential country and imagine like if i want to translate something into swiss german I go on Google Translate and I can't even type it up because it doesn't have a written form. So, like, how do you translate something into Swiss German or out of Swiss German? Like, completely destroys this whole concept of, oh, I can just use Google Translate for absolutely anything. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So, so this is also one of the, the, the yeah, so, so for example, Siri just, yeah, just had no idea of <laughs> Swiss German. So you can't speak to like natural language processing, processing um, in, in Swiss German. So you have to use high German mm-hmm. or you switch to English. So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of fun. Wow, wow. So when artificial intelligence takes over the world, it'll have real trouble getting into Switzerland. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. It wouldn't understand us. <laughs> yeah. Your country is famous for that. Like with all the whole bunkers, like every house, every building in Switzerland, as far as I know, and I've seen, I've been told, has a bunker under it. Is that true? Uh, many houses have. There are some, I think, so, so our house don't have one, so don't attack us, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, we also we have a plan where to go in case of emergency. So mm. so there is a bed for every citizen in Switzerland in a bunker, actually. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, wow. okay. Very well prepared for the Third World War or whatever. It's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Marco, I have to to kick this podcast off. I have to congratulate you because you did something that a lot of people will 
see um, see as impossible you moved from a completely unrelated field to data science into data science and you actually got your first job as you told me just before the podcast you've done two weeks there so a yeah. huge congratulations to you that's a massive massive accomplishment yeah it's really thank you very much it's, it's, it's fantastic yeah to be like now officially working with data all the time it's 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 fantastic yeah and uh it was it's a huge step for me as well mm-hmm. and yeah also i think thanks to to uh, also like you because of your courses i, I did a lot of your a lot of your courses online on udemy and it really helped me to get into data science and especially machine learning and deep learning and it also helped in the the interviews to like show the, show the degrees of of Udemy or like the the certificate of completion and yeah that was that was really a great help. Fantastic. Well, th- thank you for that. I really appreciate the the positive feedback and the comments. I wanted to actually stop on this a little bit more, and not for the sake of like how your how specifically I helped you or the courses we've created helped you, but more to understand and for listeners out there who are doubting themselves who are, might be thinking oh well i've never done data science i study something completely different an arts degree uh, i'm i'm curious about the space but there's no way that i can possibly get a job through just online education tell us a bit more about that so what field did you come from into data science and how is this journey of like deciding that i want to do data science yeah so uh so as you said i i started uh so i did my bachelor degree in in psychology mm. and in basel i was focusing there on uh, economic psychology or yeah this was the topic i was i was looking into and then i got into the topic of neuroscience actually in my master's degree which i also did here in basel mm-hmm. and so then I came, so I, I was, I came in touch with the first programming languages and more computer and technical things. Let's put it like that. So, for example, I learned a little bit how to to use MATLAB to to design experiments and stuff. Mm-hmm. For neuroscience. For neuroscience, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I would move no, no negative connotation for neuroscience, but I would expect that's that's a much uh, lighter application of uh, technology than the data science that you're doing now. Would that be a correct statement? Uh, well, so so I, I got into like really so neuroimaging in my PhD. So I st- after my master's, I started my PhD uh, in in neuroscience also, and. If if you go into the neuroimaging, well, I don't know if you are familiar with MRI, for uh-huh. example, so yep. magnetic resonance tomography. Um, so what what we are doing or what people are doing in this field is that basically they are scanning the brain while it's doing something and they try to interpret this. And you can think that you have really a lot of data if you do this. And so from this perspective. It is really data driven, or it should be mm-hmm. data driven, in my opinion. And so, the more I got into the field of, of neuroimaging, the more uh, I dealt with data 
as as well and in research. Mm, okay, and so that's is that how your um, passion for data develops? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, we, we, if you look at uh, the the neuroimaging field and the community is really great. So it has a it's it's a it's really a huge community and they're open-minded they are most of them are going for for open science and so you can you can really look at code of other people on, on github and try to implement it on your project and so so everybody's with you really well really welcomed in uh, in this field and this is this is fantastic to get into this kind of data science field and they are really doing yeah crazy things with deep learning and trying to to understand or try to understand how the brain works which is a really complex really complex um matter okay and what do you can you share what an example of an experiment you've done uh, you're doing a PhD now, right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Is there any examples of experiments that you can share with us uh, where you use data in neuroscience for, I don't know, like um, in these MRIs or uh, imaging or, or any other type of approach? We'd be really curious to know how data and science is used in research. So, for example, in one project, we were doing functional MRI so you can imagine that we are basically taking a 3D video of the brain while you are doing stuff on a computer and we can measure the blood flow indirectly mm -hmm. um, and see what brain areas are uh, active during a certain task. So this is this is what one project was like really on a on a broad mm -hmm. um, what was the experiment there so we were um showing people images of of objects mm -hmm. on a on a screen and they had to compare them to a cue they saw before and either it was um completely the same it was completely a different object or it was just a tiny little bit different different than the original cue mm -hmm. and we tried to um show what brain areas are active in this only in this time when, when the cue or the, the stimulus is only very very lightly different from the cue mm -hmm. and this is a process uh, which happens in the hippocampus mm -hmm. uh, which is also uh, used in in learning and so i was in the in the center of old age psychiatry and we were trying to find a pattern or an an experimental approach to activate this hippocampus mm -hmm. um because in alzheimer's disease for example this this part of the brain just is is gone after a while and then you can't learn anymore and that's mm. that was the reason for example why i was uh why we are in investigating this part of the brain 
Wow, very interesting. And did you have any significant results from this? Yeah, definitely. So we are actually uh, now uh, publishing or trying to publish uh, one one study mm-hmm. uh, about this. So in the first study, we were we are only or we are using or, or measuring young healthy subject to look if this paradigm which we developed developed is works at all. Mm-hmm. And in the second step, we do this with old healthy subjects to see like the normal aging process. And then we compare this aging process uh, to Alzheimer's patients and see which or, or which what is different, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. What kind of techniques from data science do you use for the analysis? Uh, so, so this is a general, general linear model. Mm-hmm. So it's um, what you what you first do is so every subject is doing this experiment, mm-hmm. and then you are doing a first level analysis. So you are looking for this individual subject which brain areas are active, mm-hmm. and then you, on a second level, you use this, uh, so there's contrast images, which, what they are called. So this is, uh, so the result of the first level are called uh, contrast images, and you take these and compare, compare them in a group. But you have to do like, really a bunch of uh, pre-processing steps uh, to get to this second level where you then really have a... Um, a definitive uh, result you can you can present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So okay. Sense, okay, and all of that is in the scope of a general linear model. Yes, so you have for every subject you have a general linear model. So so which is basically just a regression analysis, right? Mm-hmm. So just a linear regression, and your dependent variable are your images or your your images the images of the MRI scanner. Mm-hmm. Um, which are basically also just uh, ones and zeros, and then you have your model, or you with your variables you are defining. So you have to somehow get the uh, the images and the behavioral data together, and so the dependent variable would be the images and you try to explain by your behavioral um, data um, this, these images and then you do a contrast analysis which means you are looking at the betas of the of your uh, independent variables and you see you then see what areas are explained by this specific um, independent variables. Yeah, it's kind of complex if you mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have to describe it without without writing it. <laughs> okay. But tell me this, how do you put an image into a general uh, linear model? So it's it's basically a 4D matrix. So you so you you have like it's called voxels. So it's like a like a pixel, but 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 in three D. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're imagining a, a and and just a normal image, and you have a pixel. Mm-hmm. So this pixel is just, and it's a black and white image. Let's say uh, this would be one or zero, right? Mm-hmm. And if you put all together, uh, then you you get your your image in total. But um, the thing is, in in fMRI, you don't have two D, mm-hmm. um, which would be a, a normal image. But you have a three D, so you have basically have a four D actually. So you have the time because you are taking kind of a video, mm-hmm. and you also do this in in three D. Mm-hmm. So you have this four D matrix, uh, and then for every voxel, you are doing the general linear model. Mm-hmm. And ah, then, for every voxel, okay. For yeah, every, yeah, yeah. For, for every, every point in your yeah, exactly. matrix. For every point you, yeah, yeah, and then you have the the problem, of course, of multiple testings, and then yeah. you have to correct for that, and yeah. Okay, so, okay, that part I understand. Then, then can you explain how do you put the behavior into a gener- uh, GLM? Like, you know, you said you your independent variables are the behaviors of the person. Yeah, exists, exactly. And the dependent is the image that we have as a result. Great, I understand yeah. how yeah. you put the voxels individually you have a separate linear model for every voxel yeah exactly but how do you put the or you put the every single voxel separately into the linear model but how do you put the behaviors in there so what what you do is um so you have your onset times of of the events so you you have to be like really precise to the millisecond down Mm -hmm. so and then you know the onset times of let's say an image which or a, a stimulus which is uh, just a little tiny little bit a tiny little bit different than the the cue the original cue that you provide the original cue at, yeah. uh, and then what you have basically you have for every onset or for for every uh, stimulus you are presenting you have your onset mm-hmm. and then you have and then what what you are doing then is you convolve um, these so so basically the brain is not working like on and off mm-hmm. right so it's uh, it's a hermodynamic response we are modeling so so how the blood flow is affecting this area of mm-hmm. the brain and so we have this hermodynamic response and we have which we so basically we have the stick function and we use this hermodynamic response to try to say how the brain image should behave and this is how we we try to model i thought behavioral data was like something the person does like how they maybe click a button or how they react those things it could be you can choose whatever actually you can choose whatever you you'd like as an onset time you can choose the onset uh, or the the click of a button Mm -hmm. or also the onset of a stimulus for example Mm -hmm. so so the this millisecond where you see the the image and then in the brain something happens Mm -hmm. but i i I totally agree it depends what you take as a as an onset time Okay, well, let's say let's say we take as the onset time when the person clicks a button, right? So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a behavior. How do you put that behavior into the model? So you d- you know exactly when this person Click pressed the, this button, mm-hmm, or click mm-hmm. the button, right? And then you try to model 
this hermodynamic response. So you have your your behavioral data, mm-hmm. and let's say you have your clicks, and every stimulus type is one independent variable mm-hmm. of your model. Mm-hmm. So let's put like independent variable of the model is if you click on a stimulus which is the same as the queue, mm-hmm. the independent variable number two is the stimulus uh, when you click on a completely different mm-hmm. uh, image and independent variable number three would be if you click on a stimulus which is just a tiny little bit mm. of the queue. And then you try to model it with these three parameters. Mm-hmm every voxel mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. and then you are looking using contrast analysis what part of the variance is explained by independent variable number one which mm-hmm. would be this the, the same uh, condition mm-hmm. and if you look at uh, independent variable number two you mm-hmm. would um, see the completely different and number three the just tiny little bit off and then you can see where in the whole brain or which voxel activate the most mm-hmm. based on on this uh, independent variables okay okay fantastic i understand now thank you so i got you on the left you have the what button they clicked mm-hmm. and the right you have the voxel of so every single voxel of that image so as i understand it this is the model is quite simple but computationally it'll be quite heavy because you have to do this for every single voxel in your uh, exactly scan. yeah yeah okay yeah. that's that's really yeah and you have this for for every subject mm. and then you go to the second level and then where you put all the result or all the so for each subject you then get so for each subject and for each condition, you get one beta um, image mm-hmm. uh, with the brain areas which are activated mm-hmm. for this condition. And then you take all of these images and of, of many people or several persons and put them together and look at what is in average or what is the group effect. So this is how you combine then in a second level. Mm. Okay, and uh, one other thing that uh, I'm curious about: you have the you you yourself know if that image that you show them is the same as the queue, different to the queue, or slightly different to the queue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know that. And so, they, so they, they they might make a mistake, right? They might click the wrong button, which you, and so you're putting that into the model: what they clicked and what the the fMRI showed. My question is: does the actual the truth uh, does that go into the model as well? Do, do you somehow factor in that knowledge about what actually was the case? Was it the same image, different or slightly different? Does that go in as a parameter in the model at all? Yeah, you can you can use this uh, the performance as as a you can look at what brain areas are correlated with the performance. For example, this is what you can do. Then you just look at uh, this this ind- independent variable, or you if you just put it in the model mm-hmm. and you treat it as a nuisance parameter, mm-hmm. uh, then you would correct for it, or you just 
the the other option would be that you just not take these own sets which were not correct ah, into okay. the model. Gotcha. So just leave them out. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, there there are different ways how to uh, to do it, and yeah, this is one one pro. All right, let's say it's one problem that it's there are so many ways that it is hard to reproduce mm-hmm. uh, studies from other mm-hmm. uh, groups. Um, yeah. But. Okay, I understand. So, um, sounds like very interesting work. At what point did you decide that? you don't want to do research, you want to move into the industry and become a data scientist in the industry? So it was like in in research, I'll say, I don't know if it's everywhere like this, but I, I guess, so in Switzerland, you don't, you don't have like this secure jobs or you don't know what, so you basically have often jobs like for a contract for three year max. Mm-hmm. And this is one point. So, and the second one is that I didn't want to move away from Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And in research, if you really want to do this your whole life, you are. So it's it's basically mandatory to to travel and be a postdoc in in different labs in different countries. And so, yeah, I have a family now, and I. It's just not. It's By the way, not, congrats, you and yeah, your, thanks. On your daughter. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's also different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything now changes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so you decided that you don't. You want to be uh, stable in Switzerland, and exactly. And data science was a interesting way for you to develop your career. Like, why data science? So, um. I I took some courses on machine learning based so this is how it started or actually mm-hmm. all um so we were we were writing this paper and after writing this paper I needed a little break and I I thought I want to do something else or a little bit else and which is also related to data and there is also machine learning in data science uh, machine learning in uh, neuroscience mm-hmm. there are lots lots of uh, research groups using this um and so so i came i, I went to udemy and saw this course mm-hmm. uh, which kind of changed my life mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which course I, is uh, that yeah so it was the machine learning a to z course mm-hmm. uh, the, one, the one we the big one that we created with Adlon. yeah 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 so yeah i thought it's yeah it's it's like 12 euros or, or so it's it's not as as much and you as just just give it a try mm-hmm. and i started it and i thought it's it's really a yeah i i learned so much in this course um i i also had some some courses at uh university mm-hmm. but they are not that well structured to be honest oh awesome <laughs> that's great to <laughs> and, hear and also I, I really enjoyed that you can like code with uh, Hazelan mm-hmm. at that at that moment and who who is also the, giving the course I think together with you mm-hmm. and really make progress and and understand what you are doing and get all these great intuitions and uh, so this is this is why uh, how it all started basically to get into data science or 
Although I think also, well, data, data science is, for me, it's not a really well-defined uh, area, I think. So, so that's, that's what, why if somebody is asking me, you're completely switching mm -hmm. um, from, uh, from psychology to, to data analyst or data science, um, then I would say, yeah, it's, it is kind of a big uh, change, but the methods itself, if you understand them and you, you, you know how to interpret results and try to visualize things. And so this is, this is also in psychology or in, especially in neuroimaging, it's, it's a big part and you can transfer this methodology into the, yeah, into every field also in industry as I experience right now. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. But what, what is this move at the same time moving from research into industry? Like how are they different for somebody like who, who doesn't know one or the other? What would you, how would you compare research and industry? Um, so research, I think it depends on what research you are, you are, uh, doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think in research, you are more interested in not so, so the things you are studying don't have to be very practical, right? Mm -hmm. So, so the usability can be questionable. For example, the experiments I told you before, or, or our, our design or method we used. So I don't know if this really helps humanity a lot or some, someone really a lot. So it's, it's, it's basic research, of course. Um, but the application, um, is sometimes questionable. Mm -hmm. Uh, on the other hand, in industry, you really are focused to deploy your models or deploy everything you would you are doing because yeah at the end you want to save some money or gain or make money right mm -hmm. um or save time or make uh make work easier for people mm -hmm. and so they really have a benefit of of this and i think this is this is one of for me i say or like that it's it's one of the big differences okay gotcha so can you tell me please how was this you know how was it scary was it hard to like apply for jobs what did, what did you do like once you decided i want to go work in the industry i want to be a data scientist what, <laughs> what did you do from there did you take more courses did you just start applying did you like i don't know ask around your friends and colleagues and so on so i just started applying mm. <laughs> yeah it's um I got some, some, so you have to deal with detections, but you don't, uh, yeah, just shake them off and, and go on. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so it is, I guess it is really hard to, to get into it if you're not in the field mm -hmm. and yeah, you, so if you are in the interview, I think it's really important that you try to, to take the lead of the conversation. Mm -hmm um and really focus on what you can do uh, so can do and not on on what you cannot do so i think uh, if you take the conversation just talk them through what through all your success succeed uh, or success you had in your career even if it's 
small smaller things but related to to data even if it's like you're good in excel or in, in pivot table or you're in a I don't know, a sports club and you're doing the database with all the with all the members, just just tell what experience you have. And so so I think this helped a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, that's that's very, very fair point. You gotta you gotta demonstrate that experience. But at the same time I'm looking at your LinkedIn and I can see that you not only did the machine learning A to Z course, which you completed, congratulations, like a forty Thank hour you. course. <laughs> that's yeah, 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 yeah. But it's but it's worth it. I can recommend it to everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. Then you also did the Tableau 10 course. You did a deep learning, the deep learning A to Z course. You did the SQL and database design A to Z course. So it looks like you, you were trying out different areas of data science. Tell us a bit about that. Like, were, were you not confident that it's going to be machine learning or was that necessary in terms of the jobs that you, look, you were looking for? Why, why did you go from machine learning to visualization to deep learning to SQL and database design? So what I, if, if you look at, so, so I, what I did is I looked at the, uh, at what they, or what companies needed. And so, for example, uh, SQL is just a thing you, almost every, uh, although uh, at least in Switzerland, um, in every application, it's, it says SQL is kind of mandatory. And so I just went there and uh, did a course on, on SQL. Mm -hmm. um, I would say like machine learning and deep learning is really, really my passion. Mm -hmm. So, so I was really, yeah, it was fun to do them. And also um, Tableau, um, I think it's good to get, so I, I still use Tableau for like really quick analysis. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's just drag and drop, more or less, and you don't have to to code your um, your plots you want to to show to people. And mm -hmm. um, it also was very handy in research. I have to have to say. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. How was Tableau handy in research? Yeah. If, so for for exploratory data analysis mm -hmm. i would say it's it's a it's fantastic and they also have like the student license where you can get the the complete tableau 10 for free mm -hmm. or like just and uh, that's that's really a i think this is great mm -hmm. uh, to to really quickly look at your results and and see uh, look at trends or and see where you want to dig in even more mm -hmm. so this helped a lot Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And so now we've seen, uh, so, so hold on, you, you you took all these courses, then you were applying for jobs. And at what point did it come through? Like you, somebody or some company responded? How, how did that happen? Did you have a selection of offers to go through? Was it one company that you really liked that responded to your applications? Tell us a bit about that. So, um, so there was, there was one company, uh, it was, it was a, a bank, eh, well, in Switzerland, <laughs> there are lots of banks. Like everywhere, uh, you can't throw a rock in Switzerland and not hit a bank. That's true. <laughs> but, um, at the end I was, I was like, uh, I didn't get the job at the end, although uh, it was, it would be great, uh, I, I believe. Um, but the, the point there was that they had somebody who was from the field of banking, uh -huh. 
Uh-huh. And so he had this industry knowledge which I didn't which I didn't have obviously when I coming from neuroscience it's something completely different. Uh-huh. Um and then I guess it was kind of the next job I applied to uh which where I am which is where I am now. Uh-huh. Um and so I had like two interviews there so on the first one it was with my my boss, which I have right now, uh-huh. and even more senior people, some of them, and this went well. And on the second one, I had this little uh, task in Tableau where they gave me like half an hour uh-huh. and presented me with some data and just said, uh, do some insights or give me some some ideas. What What can you do with this data? And then I had to present this data in and prepare it in half an hour, which was kind of yeah, a little bit stressful, uh-huh. but uh, still a good experience. Uh-huh. And uh, so, what was the knowledge you got from the Tableau uh, ten A to Z course that uh, you took yeah. on Udemy? Was that enough to do that challenge? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's so cool. But, that's like yeah. so you, that course is only seven hours long. So in a, in seven hours, you got enough knowledge and practical experience in in order to successfully perform something at an interview in a stressful situation that's very very cool yeah it was fantastic yeah it's just you have to sit or be be calm and try to be calm and just think what you what you can do and i think tableau really helps because it's it's quite intuitive mm-hmm. so so everything and you just try and if it's not working, you, you try the next thing. And at the end, you, you have some results which you can present. So Fantastic. What did they say? They, they, I think they were quite impressed because mm-hmm. the, I, I also used this uh, geography tool in where you, you can plot the maps in yeah, Tableau. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think they really liked that one. Uh-huh. Um, yes. So, so the, the investment of $12 into the course paid off. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, exactly. awesome. That's very cool. Okay, um, and so now you are in this company. You, um, I can't even. I can't even. I'm looking at it on LinkedIn. I can't even read the name. Feldschlösschen. <laughs> Can you pronounce it for me, please? It's so. so yeah, uh, it's Feldschlösschen. So, so it means like field castle. Field uh, trans- castle. So, and it's it's a brewery, mm-hmm. and it belongs to the Carlsberg Group. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do there with data science at a brewery? Tell us. <laughs> so, so I am basically in the in the supply uh, chain, or basically in the log- logistics, and all the, the so so we have like production of of the whole beer. We also are the largest beverage supplier in whole Switzerland. Mm-hmm. So not 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 only beer, but also all other kind of non-alcoholic uh, drinks. And the next uh, thing, so, so we do all the supply chain basically by ourselves. So which means we produce uh, products or beer in this case, and we store them, we del- um, we distribute them. Mm-hmm. So it it's it's yeah it's a yeah, it's it's quite a lot of quite a lot of work to get that bottle of beer in your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't believe how how much effort uh, it takes 
to to have a beer at just at a rest uh, a restaurant somewhere mm-hmm. um and to see all the supply chain which needs to happen okay and so what kind of data science do you do there in this supply chain so we are working so with key performance indicators uh, and reporting so this is one one part of the job mm-hmm. um so we are visualizing stuff um for people at using them right now and also to to uh, senior people and um we're doing this in power bi mm-hmm. so um not tableau anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. uh but i think if you, it's it's quite transferable so if you know tableau you you have like you're really get into power bi mm-hmm. really yeah yeah, yeah yeah for sure uh, um so we're doing these reportings so um i i also learned now in this uh to to handle sap mm-hmm. which is um and microsoft access which mm-hmm. we are using still mm-hmm. uh we we are thinking actually to to migrate to the azure cloud next mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. um so this is this is one big project we are approaching and so so far there was no um let's say predictive analytics done so and this is also one of the reasons why they they hired me i mm-hmm. guess mm-hmm. Uh, because i have some understandings of time series analysis mm-hmm. um and some knowledge in python and r mm-hmm. which which they really liked and yeah that's 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 one part uh what we are doing and i am also now starting a project with the uh, robotic process auto- automatization using rpa yeah rpa exactly um because uh when i there are still some some roles or some people doing lots of stuff manually which mm-hmm. we could like free up their time like mm-hmm. with repetitive um tasks mm-hmm. That's very so, different, though, to machine learning A to Z and you know Tableau. It's it's another another field. Looks like you're you're doing you're uh, they're asking you to do a lot of things in different spaces in data science. There. Yeah, I have I have kind of a freedom to mm-hmm. to do what uh, what also what what I like so or what what I can do, and um, I also got into this RPA. So I really like to look at processes you can optimize mm-hmm. and yeah, get, get a look at how you can do things easier or more efficient. And I think this also comes back from, from or, or belong comes back from, from economic psychology, like looking at processes and evaluating them. So this is still in the back of my head, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's uh, it's great kind of to be a link between between the data which I really love and also but also the the people and to see how you can help them or how you make, can make their life easier. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that's for me that's to be this link and it's it's really uh, great and also to know 
because I'm, I'm genuinely interested in technology and all you can do. Uh-huh. <laughs> so for me, data science is not uh, a, a nine to five job. Let's let's put it like that. So so I love to read articles and books about it all the time. I listen to podcasts and and. Yeah, I think it's great if you have the ability to know what is possible mm-hmm. and also to have a kind of an, a rough estimate how much time it would need to implement this. So, for example, RPA is kind of a thing which is kind of quickly implemented with, with these tools. Mm-hmm. While, uh, for example, to automate, like to complete warehouse would be a huge project. But it would still be possible. So you don't find RPA complex to learn? <sighs> so basically, I, I started a week ago, to be honest. And I, I'm really doing progress mm-hmm. um, with UiPath, which is also a you know, kind of... It, it's, it's really a drag-and-drop thing. Yeah. So you... And you, you can kind of really quickly um, start to to make progress and to make, yeah, to, to save a lot of time and then money in the end, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and, gotcha. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's just um, we also work with, I don't know if you know Microsoft Flows, which is no. in, in the Office package. Uh, it's, it's also kind of an RPA. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the in the Microsoft environment, it's not, and it's more or less uh, just for. So as far as I know, it's it's more for Office or, or let's for Microsoft for the Microsoft environment. You cannot use uh, or go into SAP mm-hmm. um, with with flows. But uh, it's still great to start and. We also did some some flows, and it saves a lot of time as well. Okay, all right, cool, gotcha. Thank you for for the description. Um, so we saw you coming to the end of this uh, recording or this podcast. I wanted to ask you, what would your I don't know, like suggestions, ideas, wishes, recommendations, encouragement, even be to those who are listening and maybe they're unsure if they um, can get a job in data science, if maybe they feel for whatever reason that they're not good enough, that a job in data science is too hard for them to get. Uh, And then here we have an example of you where you just decided you want a job in data science and you started taking online courses and those certificates that you got from Udemy and that knowledge that you got from Udemy was enough to get you through those interviews and actually land you this job where you've been for two weeks. So what would your words of encouragement um, and inspiration be to people who are in the same boat as you were in a few months ago? Yeah, so so you just always have to think what what is the worst which could happen? It's just you stay in your job, right? So you just give it a try. Um, try to apply and with every interview you learn more things and I think it's it's really important to not to be afraid of like a complex um, field because so if you just 
spend enough time and really want something or to learn something, you you can definitely learn it. So so I never before before the course I took like two years ago I I didn't even know that Python existed and now mm -hmm. I think I I can I can more or less use Python uh, for for machine learning and just don't be afraid of like new things. Um, just just go into it and just try to be really this this genuinely genuine interest in data science. Um, if, if you have this, uh, I think you, you have a good chance to go or get a job in this field because these, these people or that there is a lot of need of, of such people who are just interested and, and want to learn things and try out things and are not afraid of, of failure and just do it again and and start all over it and yeah i think this is this is what i would would uh, suggest to people who want to get into data science uh, if you really want it you can do it i would say <laughs> fantastic if you really want it you can do it well thank you very much marco that's great great words of encouragement and thanks for coming on the podcast really yeah thank you really for cool story me. no no problem um before i let you go though can you Tell us, please, where is the best way to connect with you if somebody wants to ask some follow-up questions or uh, exchange some, some knowledge, experience in, in data science or any of the topics you talked about? What's the best place to find you? So I am, I'm on LinkedIn. I think this is the, the easiest way to connect. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you, you have, can add it to the show notes. Yes, of LinkedIn, course. And just feel free to, to contact me and add me. And and have you ever done that yourself like have you listened to the podcast and connected with someone yeah of course yeah basically i connect to almost all the speakers you're having on your podcast Fantastic. so and also had some some discussions with with people uh from your podcast and yeah it's it's really fantastic to wow. to grow or, or to have this network and and grow this network and it really helps um also in the in the news feeds of, of linkedin or i don't know how they call it um to see like what are the the their state of the art um things you can do in data science so yeah i recommend everybody who has not linkedin yet to to go there and and make it <laughs> make fantastic it <laughs> yeah that's really cool uh have you how many have you listened to many podcasts on this show yeah yeah, so so basically, I kind of stopped to listen to music, <laughs> uh, not all the time, but I I, I started. So I, I decided for myself that I, uh, if I if I want to listen to something uh, on a let's say on a on a bike or in the, in the train, um, I want to listen to something useful if I have the energy, and I think comp uh, the podcasts are a real great way to uh -huh. to do this and also i i love music but i am um, i do it really if i i i want to i don't just plug in music and listen to music uh -huh. um i do it like really i try to focus on it and enjoy the music and not just the background gotcha gotcha yeah <laughs> awesome well fantastic and now, yeah. now you're on the show and hopefully uh, yeah. <laughs> people got inspired and will connect and ask questions. That's amazing. I, lo I love this this feeling of community that happens in these situations. 
yeah that's that's really amazing that's fantastic that's awesome um okay and one final question for you today what's a book that you can recommend to our listeners that will help them in their careers or in their lives uh so what I let's say what what helped me a lot uh, is basically it's it's the Everything Store about Jeff Bezos and uh-huh. Amazon. So uh-huh. um, it's 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 kind of an autobiography, but um, you really have I really loved his his mindset um, of cool. how you should or, or you should focus on on things that matter to you. And also about the user experience. I think this is really important for, for everyone, even if you don't have a um, someone, let's say, buying a product from you. But you always always try to make the best of your work um, for for those people who are, who are working with your results. So, and this this is just the, my my general interpretation of this book. And I really love to read it. So basically, I listen to it on uh, as as an audiobook, but still really recommend this one. Fantastic! The the Everything Store by Jeff Bezos. All right, yeah. Marco, thanks so much for coming on the show today, sharing your story with us, and uh, I look forward to catching up in Europe, hopefully sometime next year. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, really look forward to that. All right, take cool. care, my friend. Bye. Thank you. Bye. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, that was Marco. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I hope you are inspired now. How cool is that? My favorite part of this whole episode, of this whole story is that Marco is a testament. Marco's story is a testament to the fact that it is possible. You don't have to be um, a genius. You don't have to be, don't have to have a huge background in computer science and mathematics and statistics. All you have to have is passion and the dedication to learn. And you can even find those courses online. You don't have to go to a university. You can, you can definitely get a bachelor or master's in data science. And there's those are popping up around the world. And of course, depending on the person, somebody might want to look into that. But Marco's story is a testament that wherever you get your knowledge, even if it's through online courses, you can get the right knowledge and qualifications and experience. What I like about the online courses is the way that I choose to create them is that we add practical exercises. We make sure that there's practical exercises because those are very important, not only just to get some uh, theory or understanding of the tool, but actually be thrown into real life or lifelike situations of data science where you have dirty data sets, you have to clean them, you have to um, look for different irregularities in the data or connect data sets and then derive the insights from there. That you can actually get all of that experience through online education and all you have to do is then make yourself visible and look for those opportunities or get those opportunities to look for you. As usual with the Super Data Science Podcast, you can get the show notes for this episode at superdatascience.com slash 313. That's superdatascience.com slash 313. There you'll get the transcript for this episode plus any materials that we mentioned in our conversation with Marco Plus, of course, the URL for Marcus LinkedIn and anywhere else where you can contact him, get in touch and ask him any questions that you might have about how you can best structure your career and maybe get that additional inspiration that's going to push you forward. 
On that note, thank you for being here today. I wish you to build an inspiring story of your own and break into data science or skyrocket your career to the next level. And I look forward to seeing you back here next time. Until then, happy analyzing.